Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a show talking about movies in a franchise, uh, one movie at a time. I'm your host, Matt, and we're in the middle of looking at a series of films about a kid, Home Alone, uh, titled Home Alone. Uh, but this time we're looking at Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, a film with many of the same cast members. Uh, it's even directed by the same director, Chris Columbus, uh, written again by John Hughes and starring Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, but has some uh, different actors in there, such as uh, Tim Curry and Rob Schneider. Uh, with me is Thrasher. Howdy, everybody. And we have a special guest on the show, a uh, staff writer from uh, Chud, a uh, film reviews and uh, news site, uh, Josh Miller. Uh, welcome to the sequel Hello. cast. And, uh Josh came to my attention. I've been reading Chud for years, but uh, recently you've been doing a really great series of articles called Franchise Me, where you look at movies uh, in a franchise. And uh, some of the stuff you've covered, like uh, Police Academy or Hellraiser, those must have been pretty tricky to do, being so many movies in a series. They were. Um, Police Academy was actually a little disappointing, just in the fact that I couldn't find, legally or illegally, other, you know, I couldn't find copies of either the animated TV hmm. show or the live-action TV show. Normally... I like to do as much of a French as I can within within some reason. Yeah, um, you know, sometimes YouTube can help with some of that stuff, but even there's so much stuff that never even got released to VHS, let alone uh, DVD. Um, it can be <clears throat> tricky tracking that stuff down sometimes. Uh, so what is it, uh, covering uh, different sequels in your uh, series of articles, uh, Franchise Me, that has stuck out. You've been doing it for, I think, almost a year now. Um, it'll be a year come uh, the next since St. Patrick's Day because I started with uh, the Leprechaun series uh, earlier this year. Okay, um, so and I, I guess what's been interesting is uh, I don't really feel that Call Mitchell has a gimmick per se. But um, I'm definitely coming at it looking at looking at how each installment functions as a evolving franchise, like trying mm-hmm. like perfect example I would say is when I did the, the four Phantasm films. Um, it, it, Phantasm four is I mean it's, you know obviously depending on your taste, but it's a pretty boring movie like it's not unless you're like a die hard Phantasm fan. No, that's the uh, one that's not, in the. That's the one that takes place in the old west, correct? Uh, you're thinking of Tremors. Tremors Four is, uh, takes place back in time. Uh, Phantasm Four takes place in the same world as the rest of the Phantasm movies, but it's only like half an original movie. Like one third of it is made up of reused footage from the first film that they never used. Like basically, you'd get as deleted scenes on a DVD. Uh, so, you know, just as a regular viewer watching it, it's kind, of, it's kind of an unsatisfying movie, but it does a lot of really interesting things within the Phantasm franchise. So I talked about it kind of favorably, even though just as a regular viewer, I found it pretty boring. Um, but I guess that that's kind of my own approach to the column, is that I try, I try to view things as seriously as I can with the basic idea of, People liked something about where this began, uh, and you know how does it keep evolving, and where does it end up, and how does each installment kind of 
reflect back on the franchise itself, for better or worse. Yeah, it's always interesting when uh, you look at something like um, some of the Die Hard or some of the Hellraiser movies where the scripts were not meant to be part of that franchise to begin with, and they have to sort of shoehorn them in. Yeah, which, um, I mean, I haven't, I haven't written about the Die Hard movies yet, but I'd actually say Die Hard 3, which was not an original Die Hard script, is probably the second best Die Hard movie after the first one. Um, but within the Hellraiser series, it's like, kind of a disservice to the overall franchise because, you know, someone put thought into the script they were writing that had nothing to do with Hellraiser, and then they just kind of shoehorn in random elements out of the Hellraiser mythology, which never quite works. Like, it always feels weird. Kind of ruins the movie on both fronts as a Hellraiser movie and whatever it was to begin with. Right, I mean, and... uh like reading your Hellraiser columns, I never realized they came out with the recent one where it wasn't uh, Doug Bradley as Pinhead. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And I know Clive Barker was trying to get a Hellraiser remake off the ground that never really uh, got started. But yeah, well, I think I don't think anyone even wants you to know that the most recent one exists. <laughs> I, I've been che- I've been checked again recently, but it was like. It used to be, you know, when you go on Netflix, it used to have a date listed when the DVD would be available, and then that date passed, and it's still not available. Oh, wow, it might, okay. it might be now. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't when I was doing the, uh, the uh, column, um, but I, I think that one they're trying as hard as they can to bury it. They only made it so they could keep, uh-huh. uh, the Weinstein company could keep the rights to do this, this reboot that they've been planning for a while but it failed to get off the ground. But that, that was totally a, a rights-keeping move. So it's it's the fantastic, the original Fantastic Four movie scenario all over again. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's move on to Hellraiser with uh, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. That's an awful <laughs> segue. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I'm sticking with it. Perfect segue. Sure, absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know... I when I first saw Home Alone two, I had just moved from uh, Centerville, Virginia, a, a town um, up north, uh, not too far from Washington D.C., uh, down to um, Marietta, Georgia, which is around Atlanta, Georgia. And it was around the holidays, and so uh, being that I was like in um, fifth grade at the time, we saw a bunch of movies around the holidays as a family, and we saw Home Alone two in the theater, and I saw it with my mom and my sister, and uh, we come home. And there's a commercial on TV, and they say, watch Home Alone 2 in theaters again. And I, I begged my mom to see it a second time, and she said no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a clever ad. It, it is, yeah. I don't, they somehow, I, I uh, need to look on YouTube for the actual clip. But they somehow used clips uh, from the movie to make it seem like they were convincing you to see it a second time. Uh Thrasher, or again when, for the first time. Well, I think that's what they said, actually, is probably see it again for the first time. Uh, Thrasher, when did you first see Home Alone 2, Lost in New York? Uh, I first saw I did not see it uh, in theaters. Uh, as I mentioned on the previous episode, uh, the year, uh, by the time Home Alone had come out on video, I had t- taken a real hard 180-degree turn on the movie and really didn't like it. Uh, that being said... When Home Alone 2 hit video, I was subjected to uh, to this movie again and again 
by uh, enthusiastic and well-meaning friends, uh, and again and again throughout the years on uh, on cable. Now, what about you, Josh? Um, I saw this. Uh, I mean, I was I grew up in Minnesota, a uh, suburb of Minneapolis, um, which not like the affluent neighborhood that uh, Kevin McAllister grew up in. Uh, yeah. in whatever, suburb of Chicago. But, you know, overall, um, Minneapolis and Chicago are kind of a similar place, like, ethnically, weather-wise, so forth. Um, And though I wasn't the same age as Kevin McAllister, I was pretty much the exact same age as Macaulay Culkin. Um, I was was a pretty huge fan of the first movie. Um, Like, even even though I was... Technically older than character, like I still, I kind of, I directly related to uh, the character just because he seemed older than eight. Um, I don't want, I don't want to do the math to figure out how old Macaulay Culkin actually was, but <laughs> I'm guessing he was more like eleven. Um, yeah, so I saw it uh, in the theater when it came out. Very excited because I, I so dug the original. Yeah, it looks like he would have been about. Maybe eleven or twelve at the time he made that movie. So, um, but I have to say, watching this movie again uh, for the sequel cast, and I should mention we have a website at sequelcast.com where you can look up sequel cast on uh, Facebook or Twitter, and our blog. Uh, yeah, and we have a blog at sequelcast.blogspot.com uh, where we do uh, articles about sequels, not necessarily ones that we talk about on the show. It's a little bit. Oh, mention Stitcher. Um. I'll plug that in later. I recorded an ad for that. But we have a sponsor, uh, Stitcher. Uh, it's an online... Uh, it's an app where you can listen to a lot of podcasts, online streaming, and a sequel cast is on there. At uh, stitcher.com, S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R.com. And if you go to stitcher.com slash sequel cast, you have a chance to win 100 bucks. So... All right. Uh, back to Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Uh, watching this film... I felt that uh, the character of Kevin McAllister, you know, played by Macaulay Culkin, is much more of an asshole in this one. He seemed like such an innocent little boy in the original film. Second. <laughs> Go on? Uh, yeah, I, would, I will third that. Okay. Uh, why do you think that is? Um, why did I feel like he was more of an asshole, or why do I think that happened? Um, why do you think that happened? I think it happened, like, to me, first First, let me just state, like, objectively viewing, you know, all the movies that come in and come out every year, I want to is like, it's fine, it's a it's perfectly acceptable movie, uh, it does a lot of the stuff people liked about the first one. Uh, that said, I, I feel it really typifies, like, a bad sequel, especially when you think of, like, it was a movie where every single person involved, on every level, behind... Uh, and in front of the camera was, like, involved again, you know? Yeah. Uh, which is normally how you get, like, good sequels. Um, especially, at least in, in, in our era now, where it's kind of like you hire an interesting director to do a superhero movie, and they kind of get curved by the studio when it's a hit, and they're allowed to, like, run free uh, on the next one and give us a Spider-Man 2 or a Dark Knight uh-huh. or an yeah. X-Men 2. Um because then everyone was involved, everyone from Home Alone was involved with Home Alone 2. It's like, it's, it's so that just bad kind of sequel where, like, nothing really feels inspired and they're kind of just, like, doing everything 
that happened in the first one that, you know, that John Hughes clearly put thought into in Home Alone 1 as far as why it was happening, but now is just pulling out, like, the puzzle pieces and being like, now it's happening in New York. Right. Uh, and, and, and I think as, as far as that relates to Kevin, though, being like, now he's kind of a jerk-ass, is just because before this was about a kid... Home Alone One's basically like a really cute episode of the Twilight Zone where he wishes that his family <laughs> would all disappear, yeah. and then they do. Yeah, uh, and then he's got to live with that. And there's a lot of like, oh, I'm I'm in my house, which is awesome because it's like usually you know if you got a big family, it sucks that there's always people around if you're sharing a room or whatever. And he's like, this is great, and then it unfolds into the classic. Any little kid who's ever had that. Like, when they weren't quite old enough that they were, like, tough, but they were just old enough that they didn't need a babysitter, it was always, like, you were so terrified that someone was going to, like, break into your house, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's where the movie goes. And, like, it unfolds as kind of like a perfect little kid nightmare. Uh, and so you're really rooting for Kevin to be, like, clever and be kind of a wise-ass over people. Like, it's cute when he's, you know, bantering with the, like, checkout girl at the grocery store who's, like, kind of unusually inquisitive and curious about him or whatever. That's, that's why it's funny. But then in, in the second one, it's like, he didn't, like, he didn't, like, this isn't in a Twilight Zone episode anymore. He he still gets separated by his family, from his family by mistake, but he doesn't think that he, like, wished them out of existence. It's like he's actively causing, like, he he's causing his own problem in the second movie which is kind of an assholey thing to do. He doesn't know in the first movie that his family is horrified in Paris that they left him behind. In the second movie, he knows after a certain point that they're off to Florida and he's in New York. You know, like he's just, that's like, that's like an asshole move right there. Like, oh, my parents are, are fucking terrified that this happened to them again. Uh, <laughs> and I could, I could fix it at any moment by talking to an adult, and he just doesn't. So I, I think that's that's kind of where, and then it snowballs from there, however you want to, like, really look at it. But I think I think that's the, the germ of where, he, why it goes wrong that he's just an asshole this time around. I think you're right in the money there, Josh. I think in the original Home Alone, a kid alone in his house uh, accidentally left there when his family goes on vacation. Like you said, there's moments as a kid when you're left at, you know, Home Alone, perhaps maybe younger than you should be, but you, man, but you feel like king of the castle. It's a real relatable thing. And, like, he's in New York City in a posh hotel. How many people have been in that situation or can relate to that? And, like, he's eating ice cream. He, like, what, at the end of the movie, it's revealed that he puts um, $967 on room service, which was a lot more at the time. You know, it just seems like he's taking advantage of his parents' credit card so much, and like, I don't know, it's hard to almost believe it's the same character, and furthermore, um, you know, this film was written and produced by John Hughes, who of course did such, uh, wrote uh, and directed such great films as Sixteen Candles, and you wonder, did John Hughes have an evil twin or something that just wrote shitty family (laughs) films? Like, I mean, I that's the whole, whole <laughs> thing. I mean, I think, I think knowing that he became increasingly reclusive, I yes, think yeah. I think he was just checking out, and people were like, "Hey, want millions of dollars?" And like anyone, he's like, "Yeah, right." I mean, oh, no, you I mean, want, he, he certainly you want more smart... movies about people getting hit in the balls with stuff. Here you go, <laughs> sure. I'll yeah, it's your real. I'd do it. 
Right, uh, and then John Hughes was a smart businessman, but, you know, the last film he directed was Curly Sue, which uh, I think it's fair to say is not one of his best films that he directed. And no, like, the, it, the only person <laughs> who would ever argue for that movie is doing so purely based on nostalgia. That is not... Yes, Curly right. Sue is not a good movie. <laughs> if, if you have nostalgia for Curly Sue, you never saw Curly Sue. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting uh, that the editor of the first two Home Alone films, Roger Gosnell, uh, later directed Home Alone 3, and he directed things like Scooby-Doo 1 and 2 and uh, stuff like that. Um, But with Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, uh, I think this was the first movie in a theater I saw that starred uh, Tim Curry. And it's so... I I can't wrap my head around watching this movie again uh, for the sequel cast. Uh, the part of the hotel uh, employees, played by Tim Curry and Rob Schneider, like, what are they doing spying on Kevin McAllister's room? Like, it's perver- it comes off as perverted and weird, and they're trying to introduce a threat, you know, like the robbers, but they don't want to introduce the, uh, the wet bandits, or I guess in this one they're the sticky bandits quite yet. So they have another sort of enemy he has to encounter. But, like, it just comes off as, like, fucking strange. Well, you, you're right. There is always, it, there's always something slightly pervy in in any movie where there's like an adult chasing a kid with some sort of malicious intent, whether it's meant to be there or not. There's always a it creates a really weird undertone. And I guess the thing the thing that kind of bo- bottles my mind because there's all this there's all this business made uh, once they start getting, once Tim Curry starts getting suspicious of Kevin, of like Kevin sneaking in and out of the hotel. The guy's the concierge. He can open any room in that hotel. If he has reasonable cause to believe that something's going on in one of those rooms, he can call the police and open that room. If he just acted like a responsible adult and thought, I think this boy may be perpetuating a fraud. (laughs) He could just call the police and get in that room and figure out what's going on rather than, that's the boy! Get him, Rob Schneider! Fly, monkey, fly! <laughs> yeah, well, the, the entire hotel, like, I, mean, I don't know if you'd call it a subplot, it's kind of the A-plot of the movie, actually. What bandits, yeah. weirdly, are kind of uh, the B-plot. Uh, but it's, it's part of this whole same problem of why Kevin's an asshole... Because it's like, from the get-go, like, you know, just the way the scenes are shot and the way that Tim Curry is directed to act, you know, squinting at Kevin and the the way the score is. It's like, from the get-go, you're like, oh, Tim Curry, this fucking asshole, why won't he leave (laughs) Kevin alone? But it's like Kevin's a fucking little dick. He's, like, committing credit card fraud. Yeah. And he's lying. Like, Like, there's no reason, like, Tim Curry's doing his job. And then on top of that... Uh, there's like the, the weird, this, this movie's so like lazily written, uh, <laughs> if for no other reason than the Rob Schneider tipping uh, running joke, uh, where, and, and the first time it happens, it's kind of funny and cute, where Kevin doesn't understand what a tip is, and he gives him gum, and you're like, oh, because he's a little kid, ah, it's funny, and Rob Schneider's pissed off, but he's not going to say anything about it. But then the next time, the second beat of this joke, Tim Curry, or, uh, Rob Schneider's like, oh, you know, he, he thinks more gum's coming, and he's like, oh, it's okay, I still got my gum. And then Kevin pulls up this huge wad of cash, and he's like, oh, you didn't want money? Okay. And then shuts <laughs> the door, and it's like, wait. So he knew the first time around that Rob Schneider wanted money, 
and he gives him gum. Why? Because he's an asshole? Like, he's well, like terrorizing this hotel staff who's just trying to do their job. Well, and, and they keep, money. He's such a bastard. And they keep on running that gag into the ground at the end of the film where Buzz, you know, uh, Kevin's asshole older brother or cousin or whatever the fuck he is, gives uh, Rob Schneider a piece of gum as a tip. And it's like, is that really necessary? Like, I, I don't know. It just seems so... Like, a lame attempt at humor and that... John Hughes, I, I think, could have done better. And it Rob also is... Schneider is the real victim in this whole Hollywood <laughs> 2 scenario. I, 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 they, yeah. His first scene should have him, been him doing something that made you not like him. Because uh-huh. as it is, I just felt bad for him every time something... Every time someone was like a dick to him. I'm just like, man, he probably lives off tips. That's not funny. And, and tipping someone with gum is a commercial now. Yeah, right. Wait, what? I saw that ad. No one pays me in gum, that ad. Right, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean, also, the, the strange thing I thought is, you know, the, the Tim Curry character is obviously British, and the name of the Rob Schneider character is Cedric, and yet Rob Schneider doesn't talk in a British accent. Not that he has to, necessarily, with a name like Cedric, or, or Cedric, I think, as Tim Curry pronounces it. Cedric. Yeah, but it's just so... I don't know. Like I, I enjoy Rob Schneider and Tim Curry. Uh, I think a bit more, uh, you know, as actors, uh, as far as their careers go uh, to this point. And just to see him wasted as people screaming at the adventures of a little boy when they have no right spying on what's happening, aside from the credit card fraud. And like, by the way, there's a part at the end of the film. I know we're jumping all around here, where um, the Tim Curry is the concierge. You know, makes the point. Oh, I'm the one that discovered the credit card fraud. And he didn't do anything about it? Like, I don't know. It just stretches um, and credit, it just stretches it beyond belief what's happening around here in this film. But, I mean, we should talk about, what do you think about the scenario in the beginning of the movie where Kevin McAllister is separated from his family? He makes it to the airport this time, but he's changing the batteries in his um, tape recorder. And he's oh. He follows a guy that has the same jacket as his dad and goes in the wrong plane. Like, I find that slightly plausible, especially in pre-September 11th airport security. Like, that's okay as a setup, I think. I'd say, uh, as I said in my franchise, we call in the first movie, I think one of the, the best aspects of the first movie as far as, like, I guess... It's one of those things where I think maybe someone has to know something about comedy writing or screenwriting and very specifically um, farce, uh, which is kind of a much maligned, at least by American, style of comedy, which is, in fact, very hard to write. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of like, it's, it's very mathematical. It's like all about, like, yeah. setups and payoffs, and it's one of those things where, like, you can't have... It's all about misunderstanding, so each good farce has to plausibly pull off um, continuing something that would immediately go away if any two people said something reasonable to each other. Um, And I thought the first movie did a really great job of taking this totally preposterous setup uh, and actually making you, like, while you're watching it, you're like, yeah, that, that actually feels like right. He would be left behind with all that stuff. And as much as I did not like Home Alone 2, I'll, I will say I thought they did a good job again with the setup of making it different, 
Um, you know, it's kind of silly that it happens because he feels that he has to change his batteries on that toy at that moment. But then again, I mean, if you, he is, even though he's unnaturally smart, he is supposed to be like a nine-year-old kid, and that is kind of something a nine-year-old kid would do, uh, not grasping that that's not the best moment to do it. So that the whole setup of the movie, I actually thought, uh, works very well as far as separating them, uh, believably so. And they kind of covered all the corners uh, as far as having the airport staff react realistically to things. Uh, I can't remember what, what, what happens with the tickets, like, does uh, Kevin's mom, like, she bumps into someone and they drop all their tickets everywhere? Is that how I, it goes down? Uh, I think what happens is Kevin is following this guy that he thinks is his father and bumps into the guy. And, yeah, like he said, they dropped all their tickets. And they said, it's okay, you can go on the plane. You're, you know your dad's on there. So I, I think that's fairly believable. And even with airport security as it is, uh, you know, as of 2011 when this episode is recorded... I think that's, for a kid, I think they'd be able to stretch things a bit more than um, with other stuff. Yeah, I mean, it certainly doesn't hold up logically in a post-9-11 world, but... Uh, no. But for that, I mean, then, you know, it used to be easier. I, I, that all that all works, I'd say. That gets, that gets a thumbs up for me uh, as far as the, the good aspects of this movie. Uh, Thrasher, is there something with Home Alone 2 that really bugs you about the storyline, or something that didn't quite hit you as uh, something, I don't know, as effective as what was in the first film? Well, part part of it, they, you know, of course you, you want to try to recreate a lot of the hit moments from the first film and make them, you know, bigger. And one of the things we talked about in the first film was how Kevin sets up those silhouettes so that people think the house is inhabited. Yeah, and we kind of we kind of get a a scene like that where where the hotel staff, again suspicious that something's going on in Kevin's suite, uh, send up uh, send up. I don't remember. You know what? I don't even. I don't remember if it's. Uh, I think it's Rob Schneider. Yeah, uh, goes. You know, they send him into the room to see what's going on, and Kevin er, earlier in the film, Kevin had like walked in on his uncle in the shower, and. Uh, he was trying to record his uncle singing Cool Jerk in the shower, and he gets a snippet of that, and his uncle starts yelling at him, but he gets the whole thing recorded. So to make it look like there's an adult in the apartment, Kevin Kevin uh, sets up, he turns on a hot, steamy shower, but then puts <laughs> in the shower this like inflatable clown. Bozo the Clown. Yeah, this inflatable Bozo the Clown, and then yeah. rigs these like ropes up to it so he can manipulate the arms. Uh, and then you know replays that recording as Rob Snyder comes in. So Rob Snyder comes in and sees this like silhouette of a guy dancing and singing in the shower, and the guy, <laughs> which then turns at him and like shakes its balloony fist, going "Get out of here, you pervert!" And and he so he he takes off and runs. So Rob Snyder you know takes is terrified, takes off and runs first. The 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 balloon it like when you look into the shower curtain it doesn't look like a man in a shower it looks like a teddy bear in a spacesuit <laughs> like that's the silhouette this thing has and second it once again raises some unsettling questions because it means that when Rob Schneider is sent to check out the hotel room and he hears someone in the shower as far as Rob Schneider goes the only knows only person in this room is Kevin, a 10-year-old boy, meaning Rob Schneider's character is perfectly willing to walk in on a 10-year-old <laughs> boy in a shower. 
and it just weirds me out. Yeah, I have to correct you in that Thrasher. It's Tim Curry's character, oh, not Tim, Rob. Tim Sh- Curry. Yeah, okay. not not Rob Schneider's character. But I agree, it's a very strange note, and I think they're trying to make it threatening. But because he's in an apartment, uh, or in a room in a plush, a plush hotel, that uh, it's not as dangerous as a situation as a kid alone in a home in the suburbs. I don't know during Christmas time. Yeah, the hotel has security. Oh, right. I mean, it's, it's so much more difficult to swallow uh, with this uh, sequel, Home Alone 2. Yeah, and then, I mean, I agree that it's, it's weird, it's pervy, and yeah. it also ties into something that just it drives me nuts that happens, it only happens in comedies for the most part, and I bitched about this in Police Academy, uh, which is when our antagonists are only antagonists because they're doing their job, <laughs> and they're tr- and they're and yeah. so they're foiling our hero who is committing a crime. I'm like, no, your villain. Like, if they're going to be our antagonist, there has to be something villainous about them. I don't. I'm just going to end up hating our hero if he's committing a crime, and this guy who's just trying to do his job properly, which is, I suspect that there may be a child who is staying in our hotel by himself uh, with a stolen credit card. Yeah. And the scene after scene is like him being, like there's a part where they transition from a shot of the uh, Chuck Jones animated um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and right. they transition from a shot of the Grinch to a shot of Tim Curry making a very similar face. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, wait, how is, how is he like this horrible asshole when he's just like, <laughs> there's something up here. I should do something about this. And then he's just forced to be, like, humiliated scene after scene, like that scene, and then the scene where another just lame rehash of something they did in the first film uh, where they, the sequel to the Angels with Filthy Souls movie within a movie. Yeah, right. Filthy Souls. The other scene is actually kind of funny as far as, like, a self-contained scene where Curry and Rob Schneider and... Uh, two of the security guys are in the room, and Kevin plays the uh, Angels with Even Filthier Souls. Th- that seems funny, but still viewed as in part of the broader movie. It's just kind of like, why Why are we even wasting time on this if we've also brought back the, like, wet bandit? Like, why, why are we torturing these, like, entirely likable hotel employees uh, as though they're villains when we already know that there's, like, two real villains floating around somewhere in New York. Yeah, I mean, it, even though it's set in New York, it doesn't use the setting that well, and it's almost like they took the screenplay of Home Alone 1, ran it through a, a, a Xerox, and changed Chicago to New York, and kept almost everything else the same. We well, don't want to think it is. Yeah. Uh, this, this, is, this is a pre-Giuliani, pre-Disneyfied Times Square New York. This this was this was sort of the, this was the last era where you could think very negatively about New York and probably get away with it. You know, this is before this was before all the all the, the the peep shows were moved over. This was back when there were sex shops all over Times Square. This was this was the old fashioned, dingy, gritty, dirty New York that I love. Yeah, but in this Which, film, well, I, oh, go on. I mean, I would agree though that they. Uh, I would agree though that they don't. For a movie that takes place in New York, I mean, that's in the title, yeah. that these lots in New York, 
Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff with the park. They keep mentioning the park, and he keeps running into the park, and they have a park. Um, but, yeah, it's like when you think about normally a movie, you know, like, you know, we're going to L.A., and you have lots of, like, L.A. cliches. Uh, I normally go to New York. I like, just even thinking of fucking Friday 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. You know, yeah, that, yeah. I feel like a quintessential late 80s New York joke, which was when our, our heroine runs up to, like, a waitress in a diner and is like, some maniac's trying to kill me, and the, the waitress is like, welcome to New York. You know, waka waka, oh, New York's a hellhole. Um, so I'd agree that, like, considering they took all the time that this is going to be in New York, it's a very cheery, you know, oh, Christmas tree in Rockefeller Square. Oh, uh, yeah, we've got Central Park, and it's full of friendly British pigeon ladies. Uh, like, it seems, it seems weird that they don't have, like, jokes of him, like, I'm going to go see a movie, and then it turns out to be a porno movie, and he's horrified, you know, whatever. <laughs> Repeated the same kind of, unre- like, I thought unrealistic as far as what little boys are like, the joke from the first movie where he finds his older brother's porno and is like, ew, and throws it aside, even though every little kid would be overjoyed to find their older brother's uh, playboy. Or like um, he decides he, he yeah. wants to see a play, and he ends up seeing Rent, and then becomes even more of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a good point. I mean, not only you know, in the first film, you had the old man Marley, the and you had sort of a, I think at least watching it as a guy in his late twenties. I turned thirty in February, so it's pretty soon. Uh, you know, a guy watching this film now. The, the the theme in the first film, Home Alone 1, between Kevin McAllister and old man Marley, where he's trying to reconnect with his family, I thought, uh, as I've gotten older watching that film, it got more effective and more uh, emotionally uh, on the money. In this film, not only do you have the fucking pigeon lady, you also have the owner of the toy store. And it's two examples of extreme schmaltz that pay off very poorly. And it just seems like they're trying to copy the first film very lazily, as you said, Josh. Well, the, oh, the pigeon lady no. just stepped right out of Mary Poppins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why is she British? I don't know. Because it's, uh, no, it's it's so lazy. I mean, the pigeon lady is just old man Marley, except old man Marley ends with. His relationship with Kevin caused him to rebond with his family, and all the old pigeon lady gets at the end of Home Alone Two is Kevin gives her uh, one turtle dove, and she's still homeless at the end. Right. Uh, I mean, watching watching it this time around uh, for the sequel cast, I almost thought Kevin McAllister was trying to fuck the pigeon lady because he's like, "Oh, do you want a coffee? Do you want a hot chocolate? What do you want?" Like, I don't know. He's a he's a young kid. Her. Yeah, oh, it's... Would, would you like to stay in a heated hotel for just one night? <laughs> yeah, why did he invite her back to hang out with his family? Oh, they want some, like, soup or, you know, some other it's just, room service? It's just Did bizarre. Standing in the park. <laughs> have fun getting shit on by pigeons on Christmas Day and freezing cold. Yeah. I'm such a good person. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's an artificial attempt at trying to give the movie some heart where the old man Marley and uh, the kid, Kevin McAllister, stuck in his house in the first film, but I think actually worked. And the second one, 
because it's in New York, it just seems like such a lazy retread. And although you do get um, the the Wet Bandits, now they're called the Sticky Bandits, of course, played by Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern in this film, it seems so much more forced how they're introduced into the plot. I mean, it's, it's forced how they're introduced, and then... I mean, it doesn't, it just, it doesn't have anything, anywhere near the same impact, though, that did in the first movie. In the first yeah. movie, they're trying to invade his house. He's protecting his castle. And the second one, uh, you know, not, not that he should allow a crime to happen, but, like, <laughs> why doesn't he call the police? Like, why, it makes no sense that he's like, I will defeat them myself. Well, he, he tells uh, him, he tells him to go into, like, an uncle's house who's, like, out of the town for a vacation or something, right? Yeah, I think it's. I think uh, you know. I'm not. I'm not super up on my Home Alone mythology. <laughs> I think that is the fat, the relatives who had been living in Paris in uh-huh. the first movie and okay. are now like back, but they're renting out. Uh, you know, I don't know. It was you know kind of. There's a lot. There's a lot of McAllisters in the family. It's like a brownstone that's undergoing renovation or some such. Yeah. Right, but the whole setup that oh he's gonna you know get back at the uh, at the robbers because he won't let them spoil Christmas, it, it, it's just pretty lame. And furthermore, the acts of violence he does against them is so much more extreme than what was in the original film Home Alone One. Like the stuff he could do in this film could actually kill them. He doesn't just set their hair on fire. He has them uh, douse out their uh, flaming head in a toilet full of kerosene, setting off a small nuclear explosion. Uh, Daniel Stern gets hit in the head with not one, not two, not three, but four (laughs) bricks, like right in his face from four stories up. A big concussion, Um, at least. I mean, Uh. that's, I guess, as far as, like, violent slapsticks go, slapstick goes, um, that brick bit, you know, it's a well-constructed bit. Uh, I more so just had a problem that, like, it was already a little borderline in the first movie, but it, it like, you, you accepted it. But in this one, I thought they stretched too far past the line as far as the, the Wet Bandits, like, re- Yeah, good episode. It sounds like, uh, Jason wants to come on for a second to talk about Home Alone and Savannah, and then we'll wrap this up. Yes, he apparently just left a special screening. It'll be like a, a live report on okay, the internet. great. Let me add, uh, Jason on. His battery's about dead. This is going to be a double-length episode. No, no, no. we got to wrap up soon. i got a dog that's got to piss. Hey, Jason. Hi. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, we just... So we're still recording for the Home Alone 2 episode, but we thought we'd... So uh, then, then his head is on fire. Oh, my God. And <laughs> he uses... How the heck does he actually lift that pipe that he hangs over the... Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, Holy, Home Alone 2 All those toys. Home Alone 2 is a lot more over the top, but uh, you you mentioned that in uh, Savannah, Georgia, where you're back in Savannah, aren't you? Yes. Right. Uh, you said at the Lucas Theater in downtown Savannah, Georgia, on uh, December 16th, you can donate a uh, non-perishable item, I assume like a can of food, or what does that even mean? Uh, it means not any non-perishable, uh, 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 any kind of like uh, bread. Okay. Um, nothing mix, anything that's not going to go bad within, um, a year, it's all going to go to a food pantry, but it still has to have, um, it has to have, uh, the ability to stay fresh. Great. But this is on, uh, December 16th, uh, this year of 2011, you can see Home Alone at the Lucas Theater in Savannah, Georgia. Are you going to try and see it there? 
Jason? I'm absolutely going to see it. Um, again, I haven't seen it. To see it on the big screen yeah, is so much yeah. different. I agree. And seeing it on um, just seeing it on a computer like I have, or seeing it on a TV, seeing it with an actual group of people, I think so, just the way to go. Again, the holiday films. That's one of the best ways to watch holiday uh, holiday films. Our sponsor on Sequelcast Two and Friends today is Podcorn. Let's talk a little bit about them. Hi, this is Matt Bradley Shirky, host of the Sequelcast Two and Friends podcast, and I just want to tell you about a, a real fun personal experience I had using Podcorn. Podcorn, it's a unique online marketplace that connects podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, ranging from host read ads to topical discussions and interview segments. And uh, so why would this be interesting? Well, this is a podcast, right? Sequelcast 2, it's a podcast. And if you're listening to it, I bet you have an idea for a podcast yourself. And uh, and when you get to making one, or maybe you already have one, you, you really need to think about getting a, getting a sponsor. Because podcasting is a hobby, you know it's it's not cheap. Any any money you can get to wet the beak a little, as uh, Thrasher likes to say, uh, would would help greatly. And so with Podcorn, there's no middleman. Podcasters of all size, shapes, and sizes can uh, browse and choose opportunities on the platform, set their own rates. Really easy to use. You don't have to give up any rights to your podcast. And uh, Podcorn supports you there every step of the way. In fact, initially I was unsure if uh, this podcast was like a big enough one to even be on their platform and I got a response right away from their uh, technical support really nice really uh, we had a good sort of conversation clearing up any confusion I had with them and I'm sure uh, they would do the same to you they just want to give podcasters transparency and creative freedom and I think and that it's easy to use you're not going blindly to a site emailing them and going oh hey hey sir hey miss can I go and uh uh, would you like to sponsor my podcast? Uh, you, you know, if you do that, no place is going to get back to you, especially if you don't have that much of an audience. But, you know, Podcorn, they take, uh, they're very open. They want to help you out. So uh, I would highly recommend them. So you can click the link in the show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities for your podcast today. Thanks. And uh, now we go back to our show. Right. I mean, you know, uh, I only ever saw Home Alone 2 in the theater, but... Uh... Uh, I, I live in Portland, Oregon, and uh, we have we have a lot of different movie theaters in this town. But uh, there's a theater I, I like called the Baghdad, which uh, once a month, courtesy of uh, uh, a local podcast called Court and Fat Boy, they show an older movie at a midnight screening. I think like the first week of the month or the second Friday of the month or something. And like recently, they showed things like John Carpenter's The Thing. Nice. They showed the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2. They showed Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I thought was real fun to see in a theater. I'm um, having a film festival in my pants right now. I want to go to the theater. <laughs> see, I actually, Matt, though, why don't you step up and say, hey, I do a podcast. Can I come host a movie? You know, I, you know I've thought about that. And for when Sequel Casters on Cascadia FM, uh, Court and Fatboy were on Cascadia FM. This is a bit inside baseball, I suppose. And uh, I never got up the guts. I, I met them in person, and they're really nice. But I feel like I'd be intruding on their thing. Like, I don't know. I should think about it. But uh, anyway, no, even though SequelCast was on... Have Cascade, they listened to SequelCast? Uh, I, I don't believe they have, but I've talked to them on Twitter on and off. Uh, and Cascadia.fm um, is, yeah. it, it is no more, but uh, some basically some other company... Uh, I'm not really going to get into it, but some other company basically but, bought out the name, so the Cascadia... But again, you don't have that connection to them anymore. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm friends with a lot of those people. 
Oh, I'm a podcast, right. Yep. Uh, yep, but, um, no, but for this Home Alone 2 episode, Jason, we had on, uh, Josh Miller, also known as Dr. Worm Miller, uh, who does an article called Franchise Me on Chud.com, talking about movie sequels. And uh, uh-huh. Chud.com is a, a website about uh, movie uh, reviews and news and that sort of thing. Yeah. And um, But he's also written some books that we talked about, uh, like The World Reduced to Infographics, which he wrote with uh, Patrick Casey. Um, anyway, that's another forced plug for a guest. No, but that's, that's really <laughs> awesome, though, that... Like, again, the idea that there are people out there who love films so much. Uh-huh. Again, I just went to a film myself. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, Ken Russell. It was, a, it was a movie that they couldn't actually say the name of the movie because they weren't really supposed to show it because there are a whole lot of rules about this edition of this movie. Well, Ken but Russell just died is, recently, right? He, exactly, he's, he's most well-known for directing the Tommy movie, the, or the Who movie, the Tom, Tommy? Yes. Yeah, Tommy. Okay. <laughs> But uh, the devils is what you watched. Uh, Who's Tommy? Um, But I I can't. I I'm not really allowed to even say the title. It the devils. You're not allowed to say. Is that it or no? Not allowed to say the devils. Thank you. I just watched the devils. uh, Amazing Ken Russell movie. Holy crap! I was not expecting the 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 real. Ah, I was not expecting to feel what I felt. And his, his his cinematography, his use of camera work, um, yeah, it's it's totally Ken Russell. You know, I've never uh, seen any Ken he, Russell movie other than uh, Tommy. Sad to say, so is is like Tommy is the devil's really like tripped out all the time or no, not all the time. Okay, okay, it's got a little bit of trippy uh, flame to it. It's got some yeah visions, but it's all pretty. It's pretty just. It's dead on good acting and and excellent uh, framing of heads and just a really good story. He he wrote it, he directed, and he produced it all at Pinewood. And that's how you get a movie made if you're really into it. And if you really love your craft, like he obviously did, you put your mark on all of that. Hmm. And again, just uh, Suzanne Redgrave as this nun with a hump. Oh my god, psycho. <laughs> just but again, so many people like I saw people in it. I'm like, "Oh my god, I know that guy. He looks so young in this movie." And and also like a, a an exorcist who looked like he escaped from a hippie commune and just uh, a, oh god, there Louis the 14th is hilarious. Um a guy by the name of uh Louis Armitage. Huh, just that... an amazing movie. I mean, oh, just, again, a great movie. Um, and this guy here in Savannah does these psychotronic film, psycho, psychotronic film uh, society. He does these films every Wednesday at the Sentient Bean. Um, and it's a really great thing because they're all movies that you've probably never heard of. Things hmm. like um, uh, The Power Circle or Circle of Power. Um, crazy movies. Alphaville. And he also does another one called uh, Movies That Savannah Missed, which is at the Muse, which is my favorite haunt. Um, but they do uh, Movies That Savannah Missed, which are all, like, once runs, he's, like, indie. Some of them are indie. Some of them just had limited releases and then kind of disappeared. But they were so critically remarked on uh-huh. that he's able to copy. He spends a good amount of money getting copies just to show one day. He mm. shows three shows of it during the entire day. 
and he, just some of the picks are are pretty amazing. Um, just some some of the movies, they're they're so beautiful. Some of them are documentaries. Some of them are um, dramas. Some of them are even comedies. It's really surprising. But they're movies that people really haven't heard of, except maybe once on a forum or maybe in a paper or somebody was in this movie. Like, Lee Schreiber did X-Men, and then he went on to make a really good movie. Um, but nobody ever heard about the other good movie. They only heard about Wolverine and how he's was uh, Sabretooth. Or, or um, again, he was great in the tent. I, I digress. I keep going on tangents, but there's a lot of film down here, including Home Alone. I wish they were. I hope. I wish they were doing both of the movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen them do that with uh, Raiders. I've seen them do that with Indiana Jones. I've seen them do that with the Lord of the Rings movies. But um, yeah, again, I'd like to watch both these movies in succession, which is what I what I tell everybody that we should do. What should we do? What are you talking about? Oh, no, 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 I'm just saying, all the, the viewers, or listeners, all the listeners... Listeners, yeah. Should well, the ones with synesthesia are viewers. Yes. <laughs> they, <laughs> oh, God. They should, seriously, just pick a day and watch all the movies of a certain uh, movie, just back to back to back. Yeah, I think if you can do that, that's a really uh, fun way to... to to uh, do that sort of thing, it's. Uh, I I love spending weekends like that. Yeah, I, I remember as a kid, I saw um, or as a teenager, I guess I saw RoboCop one, two, and three in a single day, and it was kind of. It's a different. You get definitely catch on a lot of the references a lot more if you compress your uh, sequel viewing experience. And again, I'd like writer. I'd like our readers. Our readers. I'd like our listeners. The, the ones on our blog are readers. Yes, that's true. We have a there's a blog that I need to write something. Sequelcast.blogspot.com. What they should do is it, I want to see one of the things I want to see is do you get tired if you watch the movie from beginning to end of the trilogy, quadrilogy, whatever? Does it get boring? Um, watching Star Wars, do do you get bored with Star Wars after the second one? What what happens? Second one or the true four? second one? No, 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 I'm just saying, well, yeah. yeah so are you saying at what point in watching a uh, franchise of movies do you get bored? Yeah, and what does that say about the, what does that say about the people who are in it? What does that say about the story? Uh, what, sto- which, what trilogies really stand out as viewable? Are they viewable? Okay, I'm just posting live that post on the Facebook page. If you go on Facebook and look SequelCast, you can read that. On there, and we have a fun community over on uh, Facebook about all that. And uh, it's uh, getting a bit late, so we should start wrapping things up. But uh, absolutely, guys, I just wanted to say hello. Oh no, thank you so much, Jason. And uh, I do want to say, as long as we're doing tangents, I got to see the new uh, Muppet movie, simply called The Muppets, this past weekend. I, I do like it. I really enjoyed it. I came in. you know, oh, I'm seeing it when I visit my family for Christmas, so don't spoil anything. Um, okay, I, I'm not, not. not going to spoil anything. I'll just say I came in a little bit skeptical because Jason Siegel, even though I like freaks and geeks, uh, isn't my favorite person. But I, uh, by the time I got out of the movie, I, uh, I'm, I'm man enough to admit it. I'll cry twice watching that movie. And once, uh, and once oh, was during oh, a, oh. a early musical number with Kermit the Frog. Yep. And, and, exactly the, and, and, and the other part. Um, is uh, for a um, uh, another musical number in the film. I'll be as vague as possible uh, later in the film. 
Yeah. Well, I we can talk about out. it. Matt, we can talk about it on Facebook or we can talk about it um we get we can email each other. I yeah, again, the only thing I heard and this kind of made me mad, um Frank Oz disowned the script. Well, and Frank Oz didn't do the voice for Fozzie or Miss Piggy yeah, in the new he film. He wouldn't work on the movie because right. He didn't like the script. But also, Again, apparently, I, I, Frank Oz, uh, who's a director now, who's directed movies like the great uh, Kevin Klein comedy In and Out, and mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember what he's done recently. But he also directed Muppets Take Manhattan, as a matter of fact. But uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yes, well. no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yep, he did a lot of classic. He's done a lot of classic movies. At one point, uh, like a few years ago, he was set to do a new Muppet movie, and that, for whatever reason, that never got off the ground, based on an old idea he had with Jim Henson. So maybe it was a bit of sour grapes that he didn't want to do. the. It, it's sad that he's not the voice in the new one, but I think the people they have doing the voices, are, for Miss Piggy and Fozzie Bear and so on, the, the other voices he did... Um, I do have one comment. Or good. And I, I agree yes. with this. I, I heard somebody else say this. I was thinking during the movie... I actually talked to my friend Russell Jung, who's a listener. Um, and he's also he on the karate, one of the Karate Kid episodes of sequel cast as a guest. I said they don't use the they don't use the famous people correctly. They do not use the celebrities they get right. Well, let's let's not talk about that so much because Thrasher has not seen the film. But um, I'm just uh, angry. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin it for you. Whoopi shows up. Okay, I don't think that's a big. Sp- Spoiler, but I think uh, Thrasher. She's she's long been in league with the Muppets. I I, I, I think I think what? this this oh, this this really heated conversation about the Muppets means we should cover the Muppets sometime in 2012 on sequel cast. Yes. Okay. I also think that we should cover the Gremlins because that's a yes. Christmas movie, Maybe. which also had a sequel in New York. Yep, and we've been promising to do Lethal Weapon for a while now with. Uh, uh, Louise, but one there's of our no big Christmas listeners. in that. There, no, not for Christmas, but as a, a <laughs> franchise to do on sequel cast. Um, oh, also, a friend of mine said that we should do Adam's Family. Now, would we do the director video Tim Curry Adam's Family uh, reunion or whatever it's called? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's only Come available on, on YouTube. It never came out on DVD. But cover the Daryl Hannah uh, the awfulness. Yeah. I almost used the word there. God. Okay, well, I think we should wrap up this uh, super long deluxe uh, episode of the sequel cast on Home Alone 2 with this... Uh... I can't wait to hear it. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm glad you could come on for the end, Jason. It's fun to uh, talk about those uh, movies screening in Savannah, including uh, the original Home Alone screening at the uh, Lucas Theater. I'm going to be there. You can meet me personally. You can meet I Jersey Jason in the flesh if you go to the Lucas Theater in Savannah, Georgia on December 16th for their Home Alone screening. But to get in, you can't pay money. You have to donate at least a one non-perishable item, including that can include something such as toiletries, according to the website, at uh, lucastheater.com. Which, uh, let me... How do I spell that? God, I'm retarded. Lucas, L-U-C-A-S, yeah. theater... T-H-E-A-T-E-R dot com. Nope, but that's not it. It's L-U-C-A-S-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot com. Oh, ew. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note, um, I guess we can close out the Super Alone episode with uh, Jersey Jason. Do you have one thing you want to say about Home Alone 2 to make this vaguely uh, connected? Or Home Alone 2 sequel. To no, 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 I got it. Okay. Always be friend. The homeless. Hmm. If it's a homeless lady with pigeons, you can be sure they'll, uh, yeah, be your best friend. I don't know. That's 
They won't kill you and steal your money. (laughs) The pigeons or the homeless lady? The pigeons. (laughs) The the good feathers. Uh, Animaniacs? Is that what that's from? Yeah, okay. the Joe Pesci pigeon. Well done. All right. <laughs> All right. Good night, fellas. It's a extra long episode of Home Alone Two on the Sequel Cast. You can check yeah. us out. You're not money's worth. Yeah, you can check us out at sequelcast.com. Uh, send us an email, sequelcast at gmail.com. Follow uh, me on Twitter at uh, at sequelcast, or you can follow Thrasher on Twitter at Internet Mayor. That is correct. What? I N T E R N E T M A Y O R. Is where you can find a Thrasher. I congratulate you, sir, on that. And office. if you go on Facebook, look up Sequelcaster on there too. And if uh, go to sequelcast.blogspot.com for our reviews and random musings on films. Uh, this is uh, Matt and Thrasher and Jersey Jason. Late. Uh, what should we say to round? We this should out? say. Ah! No, no, no. That's from the say book. what did Curry say? say? Uh, Why don't you? Oh, and in the limousine is your fresh cheese pizza. No, uh, that's not even funny. Oh, no, that's lame. What was <laughs> the name? What was the name of the? What was the name of the toy store? I don't know. The they're store. sticky bandits. They're yeah, they're the sticky bandits in that one. Uh, Lloyd. Okay, yeah. Why don't we say on the count of three? On the count of three, let's say Lloyd. So uh, for the sequel cast, until next time, uh, this is Matt. Thrasher. And Jersey Jason saying Lloyd. Okay, next week we're going to cover Home Alone 3, which stars a teenage Scarlett Johansson as a kid sister to uh, a God, isn't French Stewart in that? No, that's in part four. Oh, Oh, God, why are there more? (laughs) All right, good night, fellas. This is fun. Good night. Good night. Why not? I don't have to drive. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, (laughs) but I still laugh. No, it was a a cute (laughs) joke, but... um, yeah, even though there's a lot not to like about Home Alone 2, I'm glad Macaulay, uh, Macaulay Culkin did a second movie. I think as a actor, especially as a kid actor, he had a lot of talent. I think he, I haven't seen him in anything recently, and, and, and he, I don't think I've seen him in a movie since Home Alone 2. I've never seen The Good Son, for example. Or Richie Rich. Okay, well, that, you would yeah. you, you wouldn't <laughs> be giving this little speech you're giving if you'd seen The Good Son. Although he wasn't saying uh, the Christian yeah. comedy with Mandy Moore, no, uh, which I enjoyed good. him I just, in. Okay. I know some people who like Party Monster Man. I don't think he's a talented person. I think he was very talented as a kid. Uh, sure. Because, actually, because of the dead-eyed thing we were talking <laughs> about. Like, if you watch Uncle Buck, and then you watch uh, the first Home Alone movie, like that was, that was clearly what John Hughes liked about him. And, and he wrote well for what Macaulay Culkin could do, which yeah. was, I mean, the, preco- the precocious, smart about a beyond-his-ears kid is a classic character uh, type. But, like, Macaulay Culkin had, you know, like, a weird kind of twist on it. Like, he was a little bit more, like, uh, like sarcastic and kind of wry in everything he said. And partially it was because of his weird, dead Michael Myers eyes. Yeah, he has those dead Michael Myers eyes compared with... Um just sort of being like a, a smug asshole, I guess, which seemed to work on film yeah. <laughs> for uh, Home Alone one and two at least. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I haven't seen them in that many things, but 
Like, I don't know. I just think that they continued this Home Alone franchise after Home Alone 2. Uh, not that I've seen Home Alone 3 or 4 yet, but we're covering but it. But you on will. The, yeah, we're covering it on the sequel cast throughout the month of December. Um, I, I just shudder to think what the other kid actors do and if they do as decently as Macaulay Culkin or not. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I myself have yet to uh, watch 3 or 4, although I've heard people say that the kid in 3 is pretty good. Roger Ebert claimed Home Alone 3 is the best of the original three films, for what that's worth. But Well, as much as I actually genuinely love Roger Ebert, one of the things that I don't love about him is I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't view his opinion as particularly consistent. I just think he, he, he's good at making great... Like he's good at talking about why a great film is great. Uh, but his own actual opinions from film to film, I find, are pretty all over the place. I can't quite pin... He always loves, like, weird, like, sci-fi movies. Yeah, uh, he gave, for instance, I recall he gave a three-star review to the Michael uh, to the film based off the Michael Crichton book, Congo, about the ape who could uh, yeah, which speak English or whatever. Yeah, which is a terrible movie. Yes, it is. The only reason to like that movie <laughs> is as far as, like, if you're, like... I feel all Tim Curry fans. I mean, I like Tim Curry. So I guess I, yeah. I myself. But I feel that like the real Tim Curry fans just love how cheesy he is because like, yeah. he's never in good movies. It's always no. like, oh, I loved him in Muppet Treasure Island or Home Alone Two or Congo. We watch the movies and you're like. He's just, like, hamming it the fuck up. But that's what people like about it. Well, no, I agree. That's why I think he's the best. And uh, have you heard, Josh, about there's a film coming out in 2012 called Ginger Clown 3D? No. Okay, uh, I found the uh, I'm trailer. I'm excited. Okay, I'll send you a, a link to the trailer uh, through the email. But um, this is a European horror film. I think the first recent European horror film film in 3D. But they have different actors uh, doing the part of different monsters in this abandoned carnival. And even in the trailer, it says they're trying to go for an 80s movie film. But you have Tim Curry as the voice of Ginger Clown. Sean Yun as the voice of Nellie the Spider Woman, Brad Dorif as the Worm Creature, Lance Henriksen as the voice of the Brain Eater, and Michael Winslow ah! as the as the voice of Stomach Crumble. And oh, um, Stomach Crumble. Yes, and the trailer shows like faint glimpses of the guy in the costume playing Ginger Clown, but Tim Curry is obviously doing the same character as Pennywise the Clown from It, with how he's really pronouncing. Years of nightmares. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I think It is a fun uh, Stephen King TV movie if you're looking at those. But uh, I'll have to send you the link to the trailer for Ginger Clown 3D, but there's no release date yet for the U.S. I highly expect it'll be direct-to-video. I'll be shocked if this makes it to theaters. Like, it looks... Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. But um, if you like Tim Curry, that might be something... If Dante's The Hole has not made it to theaters yet, I'll, I'll almost be offended... If this makes the theaters, just because it's in 3D. Did you see the whole? I did. It How was, was it? Good. Okay. Uh, it, 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 I'd say the final third of it kind of unravels into acceptable mediocrity, but the first two thirds are like vintage 80s Joe Dante, like definitely right in there with, you uh, not as good as Gremlins, but I'd say as good as like... Uh, the Explorers or Matinee, like that kind of Joe Dante uh-huh. focusing on on kids movie. Uh, it's really good, and it's got really good 3D. I, I'm not, I don't really care about 3D personally, but uh, you know, I, I enjoy it when it's used well, nonetheless. 
Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. I liked uh, Joe Dante's films uh, growing up, and I know he hasn't made a whole lot uh, recently. But uh, I know that's been doing the festival circuit for the past few years. Um, so why don't we uh, move away from the hole and wrap up things on Home Alone <laughs> 2. Step back from the abyss. Yeah, step back from the abyss and go to Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Uh, why don't we go around with sort of final thoughts on Home Alone 2, and if you would recommend or not recommend someone see this film. I suppose I'll start. Uh, as a kid, I liked this movie in the theater. I never owned it on uh, VHS, uh, so that showed my age a little bit. But um, watching it now, it just came off as a shitty sequel, and I shudder to think what Home Alone 3 and a Home Alone 4 Taking Back the House have in store for uh, Thrasher and I in the sequel cast uh, as we watch those films. I- I'm hoping... It wouldn't be hard to do better than Home Alone 2. I like seeing Macaulay Culkin. I like seeing a lot of the actors again. I like Tim Curry. But it's just so damn lazy when the first one I felt was surprisingly effective watching it uh, again recently. Uh, Thrasher. Yeah, I, I I really can't recommend this movie. If you, if you like Tim Curry, just watch it for the good, smug Tim Curry action uh, you know, at this 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 is going to be the year of Curry for the sequel cast, and I, and I'm glad that <laughs> I'm glad that we are that we did get to another Tim Curry movie so quickly. But you know, it really feels like every this feels like several different movies crammed together. Kevin at the hotel feels like mm-hmm. a different movie than Kevin with the bandits. The bandits robbing the store feels like a different movie than the bird lady and the family. Like I really feel like. All the, all these elements are together. You could have made a good, coherent movie where all these elements dovetailed together. Like, like you know, why can't the why can't like the mafia be using part of the hotel as a front? And like the wet bandits are trying to become made men. And like some people in the hotel are embezzling money or helping with the front. And Kevin somehow gets involved and is able to bring like raise <laughs> the stakes. Don't have him just bring down two bumbling burglars. Have him yeah. bring down a chunk of organized crime. And maybe the bird lady is like you, it was like a faded Broadway star who used to date one of the mobsters or something. But like, do something so that the elements dovetail and you get one cohesive movie. Uh, I entirely agree with that sentiment. I feel uh, a key to farce is that farce is all about you know it's like a old fashioned spinning plates act you know where they spin the plates on top of like poles and keep mm. them all going, and then they all need to fall at the same time. Uh, and this is just like, it's like a bunch of different stuff. Like, there's like several different climaxes. It's practically like, you know, the third Lord of the Rings film as far as like a key, like <laughs> ending, and then there's like another denouement because there's so many goddamn subplots they have to take care of. Um, in fact, the only reason that they don't have an even final scene is that his scene with the bird lady, then we like cut to the outside of the hotel and we just hear his dad yelling, you know, as though Kevin could hear him from through the walls and miles away. Um, but yeah, I would, I would not recommend this movie. I feel if you <laughs> sat through Home Alone 1 and your thought was like, yeah, until the Wet Bandits ultra slapstick, which lasts like about 20, 10 minutes of the entire runtime, is the sequence where, uh, Kevin is setting all his traps on him. But if you're bored by the movie and then that finally happened, you were like, yes, I guess. Then this while he's probably like, you're like, finally, more of this shit. Um, but overall, I think it's a pretty, pretty 
like, uninspired rehash of the first movie on most levels. It's got its moments, you know, it's not a terrible movie. I know you watch it and want to shoot yourself in the face, but as far as how you want to spend your time, no, certainly should not watch it. So before we go here in the sequel cast, we're going to play a game we've introduced in the show recently called uh, Pitch a Sequel, where uh, we pretend that uh, anything after Home Alone 2 did not exist. So if you were to develop a sequel to Home Alone 2, what would it be? Uh, Thrasher, go. Well, the way the way I see it, uh, the, the next film, uh, Kevin's family is now uh, so, so concerned that they're going to keep getting split up uh, by Kevin and also so concerned that he's going to commit more credit card fraud uh, that uh, to, to whip Kevin into shape, they send him to one of those junior military academies. However, uh, while, he's at the, uh, while he's at the junior military academy, uh, there's a, there's a uh, national emergency and all the, the adults at the military academy who are all, you know, they, they all get called into active duty service. So all the kids, uh, so all the kids have to be sent home from the military academy. But due to another hilarious oversight, Kevin is stuck at the military academy. And that is when Russian spies try to steal U.S. Uh, U.S. defense secrets that are hidden in part of the military academy. So now we get uh, Kevin trying to fend off Russian spies. And he has access to a certain level of military-grade hardware. He doesn't actually shoot them, but, like, he spins a tank barrel around really fast and conks them all on the head without fracturing their skulls somehow. Huh. Uh... I think, I, I mean... I, I, I do not know Home Alone 3 at all. I think there are maybe spies involved in Home Alone 3. I will say that. I know he's in a house again, and he's not in military school, but they may have introduced spies. You say military school, Thrasher. I'm thinking of Child's Play 3. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which you should. <laughs> um, I guess if I had an idea for Home Alone 3, considering Home Alone's 3 and 4 did not exist, I'll take inspiration from a listener of the show, Eric Anderson, uh, he thought that sequels should have, you know, gone overseas. Uh, in my mind, goes to what if Kevin McAllister would have been stranded in um, in Tokyo? And I don't know. I guess you could have made that just as cliched as Home Alone Two: Lost in New York. But at least making it in a real unfamiliar environment might have suggested maybe the the yakuza, the Japanese mafia, was after him. I don't know. It's not a great idea. Uh, or the Josh. white bandits are extradited <laughs> to Japan. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, Where <laughs> uh, Josh, do you have any pitches for Home Alone 3? Well, I guess in, in keeping true to a franchise, since they decided that, like, if I had done Home Alone 2, I mean, you know, how do you do a sequel like Home Alone 2? It seemed weird the wet bandits were in it, but now we've established mm-hmm. that they are. They're okay. an irritable part of the franchise, so the moment you don't have them, it's going to seem conspicuous. Um, so I guess they're back again, who knows how. Uh, <laughs> but this time, instead of making it a pure coincidence, maybe do something where the wet bandits are the reason that Kevin gets separated from his family. Mm. I try to keep a little element of the farce in there, so it's not like they show up and kidnap everyone and Kevin sees it. Like, Whatever happens, you know, he thinks he gets... Maybe he's playing soccer now, and it's the classic, oh, my parents 
he gets in a fight with his parents or whatever, and like then he thinks they just don't pick him up at soccer practice when really it's because the wet bandit showed up and kidnapped everyone. So, you know, there'll be a little bit of, like, Thrasher was saying, like, kind of that, that military school, like, more more overt uh, kind of uh, infiltration and traps. Like, maybe, maybe it's more offensive this time, the defense, if it's always been him defending first his house and then this hmm. like, renovated, abandoned building. Um, but now it's like him going on the offensive, the same kind of thing, you keep all the characters. Uh, maybe now we, we escalated even more, and now that I'm saying this out loud, I realize it won't make any sense because the Angels and Filthy Souls is clearly a movie made from, like, the 40s. I was going to say that he stumbled on, like, the set of the movie. Maybe it's a remake. They're remaking Angels with Filthy Souls. <laughs> That's good. Starring Joe Pesci, so there's, like, a weird meta uh. aspect uh, where he's, he's playing the Johnny character. All right, that's all I got. Okay, I wish John Candy could have still been in it. I, you know, actually, I haven't looked it up. I don't know if the reason he wasn't in two is because he'd already died. No, he didn't die. Uh, he, he was still alive by that point. But uh, I really like his cameo in the first film when you were talking about I, what sort of you know things uh, the the mother played by Catherine O'Hara must have done. And I, when I was watching Home Alone one, the scene with her in the van with the polka band, I think she must have given them a few hand jobs along the way. Do not have to pay anything Ooh, for that trip. Dark, dark. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I'm actually amazed that in part two, the fact that they worked in everything from part one, I yeah. kind of felt like uh, John Candy's polka band should have been performing at the shitty, rained-out uh, Florida resort that the family was at. Like, that was mm, like the crappy entertainment. That could have been nice. I don't know. Yeah. It, just, it seemed weird to me, actually, uh-huh. that they brought back so much but didn't bring back John Candy. I mean, maybe he said no. You never know. Right, and I mean, one thing that... Bill Murray, you know, he's reluctant about doing sequels. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, John Candy was originally supposed to be the Rick Moranis part in Ghostbusters. And uh, that didn't work out for whatever reason, so... I mean, he had a pretty good track record with John Hughes, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Uncle Buck, like you said. Great Outdoors. Yeah. Oh, I think he was also in Career Opportunities. Jennifer Connelly. I'm forgetting the other guy's name. He's in Pulp Fiction. Whatever. Something Wiley, I think, is his last name. You know, I'm trying to bring that up, but uh, Wikipedia is being a son of a bitch, so... He's a, he was a guy that Samuel Jackson was like, check out the big brain on Brad, or whatever the line is from Pulp Fiction. That was his character in Pulp Fiction. And he's the star of Career Opportunities. Co-starring with Jennifer Connelly and Brett. And believe, uh, Frank Whaley? Frank Whaley. There Whaley. There we go. Where has he been? Oh, boy. All right. Well, um, thank you, Josh, for coming on the sequel cast to talk Home Alone 2 with us. Thank uh, you. Again, you can check oh, out... Wait, can, I give, oh. can I give one quick plug? I hate that. Go on. No, stuff, no, go but, ahead. Um, yourself. A uh, buddy of mine, Patrick Casey, and I have a book uh, that is coming out this month in time for Christmas oh. called The World Reduced to Infographics. Uh, it's, uh, it's the kind of stuff that you normally get free on the internet, but now you have to pay for and book for <laughs> just what everybody wants. So what's the uh, pitch on the book? 
How would you describe it? Uh, I mean, are you familiar with what an infographic is? Yeah, yes. like, like like a chart or a pie chart, you mean? Yeah, it's like funny funny charts of varying kinds, pie charts, line graphs, bar graphs, whatever, whatever multitude of charts you can think of, I'm sure we have uh, uh, one of those. It's just a collection of those, you know, it's a... I like to call them a bathroom book. It's, uh, I can't. I can't imagine you sitting on your couch looking through it, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely a, a bathroom book. My couch is in my bathroom. Well, there you go. You guys figured out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's available. You know, wherever stuff is available, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Borders is dead now, so I guess not Borders. Um, is it is it out already or? Not already. Oh, I should also note. Uh, usually, when I do creative writing, I'm credited as uh, Worm Miller, which is my childhood nickname. So, if anyone looks it up and they're confused to not see my name on it, that is why. Okay. Uh, yeah the the world reduced to infographics from Hollywood's life lessons in Doom Cities of the U.S. to sociopathic. Cats and what your drink order says about you. Is that it? All book titles should be about, you know, 30 words too long. That's my, my <laughs> motto. At least one colon in there, too. Yeah. And you're a... You're Not a, multiple colons. And you're a doctor, I see. That was another book I wrote, yes. I, I have a doctorate in zombology. <laughs> what book is that? That is the uh, Zombies History of the United States. Um, I haven't nice. I haven't read that one, so what is that one like? Um, I mean, it's a history book um, detailing the untold uh, story of the zombies, the parts they played in American history from the time the first settlers showed up onward. It is, of course, historical fiction. All right. Well, uh... It's it's incredibly dry and nerdy, though. Not to steer people away from my <laughs> own book, because I would love your money. Oh, sure. But, uh, it's, uh... uh the, one of my positive reviews I got for it, I did like the way to describe it. They said, this isn't Dave Barry's, you know, dot, dot, dot. Like, it's not like, a waka waka silly zombie book um it is pretty borderline boring dry i'd say it was more appealing to history nerds than like zombie nerds okay cool. i really like history so it seems fun to me well definitely so uh, if you've liked listening to uh josh miller or dr worm N- miller as he's also known uh on uh, the show, you can check him out at uh, chud.com with uh, his articles, and also he has a series of articles on sequels called Franchise Me. And like uh, you just said, he has uh, two uh, books out. He has A Zombie's History of the United States from the Massacre at Plymouth Rock to the CIA's Secret War on the Undead. And uh, a more recent release, uh, along with Patrick Casey, The World Reduced to Infographics from Hollywood's Life Lessons in Doomed Cities of the U.S. to Sociopathic Cats and What Your Drink Order Says About You. Um... Josh, thank you very much. Ah, that was so long. It is. I, uh, it's difficult to do that without stuttering or anything, but I think I, I did okay. It is. I was impressed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you started reading the book. I was like, stop. 
Well, uh, you know, Josh, I, I know you've been working on this for a while, but uh, thanks for uh, coming on the sequel cast. It's uh, I've had a lot Anytime. of time. I'd like. Let me, you know, keep me updated on sure, uh, what sure. stuff you're doing. We, uh, if we overlap again, I'd love to come back. Yeah, and, and we should mention that, too. I don't think I've said that yet, but uh, currently on the uh, your Franchise Me feature on Chud.com, you're covering the Home Alone movies, as it turns out. So you just recently did an yeah. article on Home Alone 1, and uh, I presume the rest will come. Is that weekly, more or less, the series of articles? It's, uh, I'd say, I, I kind of aim for twice a week. Okay. Um... Yeah. If, if I'm having a good week, you know, I love to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but, uh. you know, you try to make the pieces good, so sometimes uh, some rewriting is required, or, you know, who knows when you can, you know how it is, how you, when yeah. you can get to a movie, too, so. Yeah, it's, really not, I try not to have it once a week once it's going. That's too. Yeah, on the, on the sequel cast, we found out near the end of a franchise, you want to kind of shoot yourself. Uh, the first series of movies we oh, did. Oh, God, the Police Academy. Oh, yeah, mm. Police Academy, sure. Uh, I, you know, the only Police Academy I've seen is Mission to Moscow. But the first. Oh, my God, that's the worst. Oh, one. I know. I didn't want to see. I haven't seen any other ones since, and I should. I know a lot of them are on Netflix. Watch instantly. First one's good. The first, first one's Okay, first one's good. I'll keep that in mind. But uh, on the sequel cast, the first uh, series of movies we ever did was Beverly Hills Cop. And after we did Beverly Hills Cop 3, I almost wanted to stop the show, but we've been going for two years now. So, uh, that, that, that's <laughs> not even that long of a series. No, no, it's only three films, but that third film is so, oh God, so bad. Even, yeah. even Be glad you didn't start with the Police Academy movies. You would have quit. I think so, yeah, I think you're right. What is there, seven so far? Uh, six or seven. Six or seven. There's nine Hellraiser. God. Okay. There's there's eleven Land Before Time. You're not going to do those, are you? <laughs> I don't think I could make it. I don't think I could. They're cute movies, I'm sure, but I mean, eleven is too many, and they're all like little 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 kid movies too. Oh, can I tell a story? Those are tough. About about those movies. Um. Yeah. Go ahead, real quick. Uh, I, I once attended a lecture uh, and then later film screening with uh, with Don Bluth, the uh, brilliant director of animation who directed The Land Before Time. Now, he had nothing to do with those sequels, but in his opening remarks of his lectures, he apologized for those sequels. <laughs> I saw... Well, sure, they're from his company, kind of. Yeah, I, I saw Don Bluth talk at a convention, and he at the time, uh, Don Bluth was in... Uh, in the 80s, Don Bluth was involved in a video game called Dragon's Lair. Had he ever played that? Uh, with the, it, that was that. I hated that game. Yeah, it's not a. It's not a little, great. I was too little to be good at it. Uh huh. It, it, it was really expensive. Yeah, it's not a great game at the time. It cost I think like a dollar to play for like ten seconds, and if you didn't hit the joystick in the right direction, you die immediately. But he was at the time. Well, for those who don't know, the game yeah. the game was laser disc. There yes. was a laser disc inside yep. the game, and it was like really well animated. But basically, you were to win. You had to hit stuff in the right direction to chapter skip yep. to the next section of the way. It was so impossible to play. Well, yeah, and uh, as I recall, the sequel, Dragon's Lair 2, Time Warp, was uh, even more difficult. But uh, I, I saw him at a convention. He, at the time, he was trying to get a Dragon's Lair feature film uh, cartoon off the ground. And as the voice of Dirk the Daring, he <laughs> wanted David Schwimmer uh, from oh. Friends. And... Uh, that never happened, but yeah. there, there was a TV the, on USA, the cable channel. They had a cartoon of Dragon's Lair, I think, for a year. Um, David Schwimmer. Yeah, that's kind of strange. Uh, 
Well, anyway, Josh, thanks again for being on the sequel cast. Uh, Thank you. We'll, we'll send you a link when the, the show comes up. And um, all right. Uh, have a good evening. Sounds like uh, Jason wants to come on for a second to talk about Home Alone and Savannah, and then we'll wrap this up. Yes, he apparently just left a special screening. It'll be like a, a live report on okay, the internet. Okay, great. Let me add uh, Jason on. His battery's about dead. This is going to be a double-length episode. No, no, no. we got to wrap up soon. i got a dog that's got to piss. Hey, Jason. Hi. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, we just... So we're still recording for the Home Alone 2 episode, but we thought we'd... So uh, then, then his head is on fire... Oh my god! And <laughs> he uses how the heck does he actually lift that pipe that he hangs over the? Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, Home Two, all those toys. Home Alone Two yeah. is a lot more over the top, but uh, you you mentioned that in uh, Savannah, Georgia, where you, you're back in Savannah, aren't you? Yes. Right. Uh, you said at the Lucas Theater in downtown Savannah, Georgia, on uh, December sixteenth. You can donate a uh, non-perishable item, I assume, like a can of food, or what does that even mean? Uh, it means not any non-perishable, uh, 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 any kind of, like, uh, bread. Okay. Nothing um, mix, anything that's not going to go bad within um, a year. It's all going to go to a food pantry, but it still has to have, um, it has to have uh, the ability to stay fresh. Great, but this is on uh, December 16th, uh, this year of 2011, you can see Home Alone at the Lucas Theater in Savannah, Georgia. Are you going to try and see it there, Jason? I'm absolutely going to see it. Um, again, I haven't seen it. To see it on the big screen yeah, is so much yeah. different. I agree. And seeing it on um, just seeing it on a computer like I have, or seeing it on a TV, seeing it with an actual group of people, I think just the way to go. Again, the holiday films. That's one of the best ways to watch holiday uh, holiday films. Right. I mean, you know, uh, I only ever saw Home Alone 2 in the theater, but uh, uh, I, I live in Portland, Oregon, and uh, we have we have a lot of different movie theaters in this town, but uh, there's a theater I, I like called The Baghdad, which uh, once a month, courtesy of uh, uh, a local podcast called Court and Fat Boy, they show an older movie at a midnight screening, I think like the first week of the month or the second Friday of the month or something. And, like, recently they showed things like John Carpenter's The Thing. Nice. They showed the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2. They showed Raiders the Lost Ark, which I thought was real fun to see in a theater. I'm um, having a film festival in my pants right now. I want to go to the theater. <laughs> see, I actually, Matt, though, why don't you step up and say, hey, I do a podcast. Can I come host a movie? You know, I, you know I've thought about that. And for t- when sequel cast was on Cascadia FM, uh, Court and Fatboy were on Cascadia FM. This is a bit inside baseball, I suppose. And uh, I never got up the guts. I've met them in person, and they're really nice. But I feel like I'd be intruding on their thing. Like, I don't know. I should think about it. But uh, anyway, even though Sequel Cast was on... Have they listened to Sequel Cast? uh, I I don't believe they have, but I've talked to them on Twitter on and off. uh, And Cascadia.fm is is no more, but uh, some... Basically, some other company... uh, 
I'm not really going to get into it, but some other company basically but, bought out the name, so the Cascadia... But again, you don't have that connection to them anymore. Uh, but no, you still no, have no. I'm friends with a, a lot of those people. I'm a podcast, right. Yep. Uh, yep, but... um. No, but for this Home Alone 2 episode, Jason, we had on uh, Josh Miller, also known as Dr. Worm Miller, uh, who does an article called Franchise Me on Chud.com, talking about movie sequels. And uh, Chud.com is a a website about uh, movie uh, reviews and news and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, um, but he's also written some books that we talked about, uh, like The World Reduced to Infographics, which he wrote with uh, Patrick Casey. Um. Anyway, that's another forced plug for a guest. No, but that's, that's really <laughs> awesome, though. That, like, again, the idea that there are people out there who love films so much. Uh-huh. Again, I just went to a film myself. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, Ken Russell. It was, a, it was a movie that they couldn't actually say the name of the movie because they weren't really supposed to show it because there are a whole lot of rules about this edition of this movie. Well, Ken but Russell just died is, recently, right? He, exactly, he's, he's most well-known for directing the Tommy movie, the, or the Who movie, the Tom, Tommy? Yes. Yeah, Tommy. Okay. <laughs> but uh, The Devils is what Stop. you watched. The uh, Who's Tommy. <laughs> um, but I, I can't, I, I'm not really allowed to even say the title. It, the Devils, you're not allowed to say? Is that it, or no? Not allowed to say The Devils. Thank you. I just watched The Devils... Okay. Uh, amazing Ken Russell movie. Holy crap. I was not expecting the, the, the real... Ah, I was not expecting to feel what I felt. And his, his, his cinematography, his use of camera work, um, yeah, it's, it's totally Ken Russell. You know, I've never uh, seen any Ken he, Russell movie other than uh, Tommy, sad to say. So, is, is like Tommy, is the devils really like tripped out all the time? or No, not all the time. Okay, okay. It's got a little bit of trippy uh, flame to it. It's got some visions, but it's all pretty, it's pretty just, it's dead on good acting and and excellent uh, framing of heads and just a really good story. He he wrote it, he directed, and he produced it all at Pinewood. And that's how you get a movie made if you're really into it. And if you really love your craft, like he obviously did. You put your mark on all of that. Hmm. And again, just uh, Suzanne Redgrave as this nun with a hump. Oh, my God. Psycho. <laughs> just, but again, so many people, like I saw people in it. I'm like, oh, my God, I know that guy. He looks so young in this movie. And, and also like a, a, an exorcist who looked like he escaped from a hippie commune. And just, uh, a, oh, God, their Louis XIV is hilarious. Um, a guy by the name of uh, Louis Armitage. Huh, just that... an amazing Louis. I mean, oh, just, again, a great movie. Um, and this guy here in Savannah does these psychotronic film, psycho, psychotronic film uh, society. He does these films every Wednesday at the Sentient Bean. Um, and it's a really great thing because they're all movies that you've probably never heard of. Things hmm. like... Um, uh, the Power Circle, or Circle of Power, um, crazy movies, Alphaville, and he also does another one called uh, Movies That Savannah Missed, which is at the Muse, which is my favorite haunt, um, but they do uh, Movies That Savannah Missed, which are all, like, once runs, he's like indie, some of them are indie, some of them just had limited releases, and then kind of disappeared, but they were so critically remarked on uh-huh. that he's able to 
copy. He spends a good amount of money getting copies just to show one day. He mm. shows three shows of it during the entire day. And he, just some of the picks are, are pretty amazing. Um, just some, some of the movies, they're, they're so beautiful. Some of them are documentaries. Some of them are um, dramas. Some of them are even comedies. It's really surprising. But they're movies that people really haven't heard of, except maybe once on a forum or maybe in a paper or somebody was in this movie. Like, Lee Schreiber did X-Men, and then he went on to make a really good movie. Um, but nobody ever heard about the other good movie. They only heard about Wolverine and how he's was uh, Sabretooth. Or, or um, again, he was great in the tent. I, I digress. I keep going on tangents. But there's a lot of film down here, including... Home Alone. I wish they were. I hope. I wish they were doing both of the movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen them do that with uh, Raiders. I've seen them do that with Indiana Jones. I've seen them do that with the Lord of the Rings movies. But um, yeah, again, I'd like to watch both these movies in succession, which is what I what I tell everybody that we should do. We should what, watch. What should we do? What are, you, what are you talking about? Oh no, no, I'm just saying all the the viewers or listeners. All the listeners. Listeners, yeah. Should... Well, the ones with synesthesia are viewers. Yes. <laughs> they... <laughs> oh, God. They should... Seriously, just pick a day and watch all the movies of a certain uh, movie. Just back to back to back. Yeah, I think if you can do that, that's a really uh, fun way to 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 uh, do that sort of thing. It's. Uh... I, I love spending weekends like that. Yeah, I, I remember as a kid I saw... Um... There's a teenager, I guess. I saw RoboCop one, two, and three in a single day. It was kind of—it's a different. You get definitely catch on a lot of the references a lot more if you compress your uh, sequel viewing experience. And again, I'd like writer. I'd like our readers. Our readers. I'd like our listeners. The, to, the ones on our blog are readers. Yes, that's true. We have a. There's a blog that I need to write something. Sequelcast.blogspot.com. What they should do is, it, I want to see. One of the things I want to see is. Do you get tired if you watch the movie from beginning to end of the trilogy, quadrilogy, whatever? Does it get boring? Um, watching Star Wars, do do you get bored with Star Wars after the second one? What what happens? The second one or the true before? second one? No, no, no. I'm just saying. Well, yeah. yeah so are you saying at what point in watching a uh, franchise of movies do you get bored? Yeah, and what does that say about the what does that say about the people who are in it? What does that say about the story? Uh, what sto- what what trilogies really stand out as viewable? Are they viewable? Okay, I'm just posting live that post on the Facebook page. If you go on Facebook and look SequelCast, you can read that on there. And we have a fun community over on uh, Facebook about all that. And uh, it's uh, getting a bit late, so we should start wrapping things up. But, uh, Absolutely, uh, guys. I just wanted but, to say hello. Oh, no, thank you so much, Jason. And uh, I do want to say... Um, as long as we're doing tangents, I got to see the new uh, Muppet movie, simply called The Muppets, this past weekend. So did I. How'd you like it? I really enjoyed it. I came in, uh, you oh, know... I'm seeing it when I visit my family for Christmas, so don't spoil anything. Um, okay, I, I'm not, not, not going to spoil anything. I'll just say I came in a little bit skeptical because Jason Siegel, even though I like Freaks and Geeks, uh, isn't my favorite person. But I, uh, by the time I got out of the movie, I, uh, I'm, I'm man enough to admit it. I cried twice watching that movie, and once, uh, and once oh, was during oh, a oh. a early musical number with Kermit the Frog. Yep. And exactly the, and, and, and the other part, 
um, is uh, for a um, uh, another musical number in the film. I'll be as vague as possible uh, later in the film. Yeah. Well, I we can talk about it. Matt, we can talk about it on Facebook, or we can talk about it. Um, we get, we can email each other. I yeah. Again, the only thing I heard, and this kind of made me mad. Um, Frank Oz disowned the script. Well, and Frank Oz didn't do the voice for Fozzie or Miss Piggy yeah, in the new film. He wouldn't film. work on the movie because right. he didn't like the script. But also, Again, apparently, I, Frank Oz, uh, who's a director now, who's directed movies like the great uh, Kevin Klein comedy In and Out, and mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember what he's done recently. But he also directed Muppets Take Manhattan, as a matter of fact. But uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yes, well. no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yep, he did a lot of classic. He's done a lot of classic movies. At one point, uh, like a few years ago, he was set to do a new Muppet movie, and that, for whatever reason, that never got off the ground, based on an old idea he had with Jim Henson. So maybe it was a bit of sour grapes that he didn't want to do the... It, it's sad that he's not the voice in the new one, but I think the people they have doing the voices are for Miss Piggy and Fozzie Bear and so on, the, the other voices he did. Um, I do have one comment. Or good. And I, I agree yes. with this. I, I heard somebody else say this. I was thinking during the movie... I actually talked to my friend Russell Jung, who's a listener. Um, and he's also on the karate, one of the Karate Kid episodes of sequel cast as a guest. I said they don't use the they don't use the famous people correctly. They do not use the celebrities they get right. Well, let's let's not talk about that so much because Thrasher has not seen the film. But um, I'm just uh, angry. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin it for you. Whoopi shows up. Okay, I don't think that's a big. Sp- Spoiler, but I think uh, Thrasher's... She's, she's long been in league with the Muppets. I, 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 I think, I think this, this, oh, this, this really heated conversation about the Muppets means we should cover the Muppets sometime in 2012 on Sequel Cast. Yes. Okay. I also think that we should cover the Gremlins, because that's a yes. Christmas movie. Maybe. Which also had a sequel in New York. Yep, and we've been promising to do Lethal Weapon for a while now with... Uh, uh, Louise, but one there's of our no big Christmas listeners. in that. There, no, not for Christmas, but as a, a <laughs> franchise to do one sequel cast. Um, oh, also, a friend of mine said that we should do Adam's Family. Now, would we do the Tim director Curry. video, Tim Curry, Adam's Family uh, Reunion, or whatever it's called? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's only Cover available on YouTube. It never came out on DVD. But Cover the Daryl Hannah uh, uh, awfulness. Yeah. I almost used a <laughs> word there. God. Okay, well, I think we should wrap up this uh, super long deluxe uh, episode of the sequel cast on Home Alone 2 with this... Uh... I can't wait to hear it! Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm glad you could come on for the end, Jason. It's fun to uh, talk about those uh, movies screening in Savannah, including uh, the original Home Alone screening at the uh, Lucas Theater. I'm going to be there. You can meet me personally. You can meet I Jersey Jason in the flesh if you go to the Lucas Theater in Savannah, Georgia on December 16th <clears throat> for their Home Alone screening. But to get in, you can't pay money. You have to donate at least a one non-perishable item, including that can include something such as toiletries, according to the website, at uh, nope. lucastheater.com. Which, uh, let me... How do I spell that? God, I'm retarded. Lucas, L-U-C-A-S, yeah. theater... T-H-E-A-T-E-R dot com. Nope, but that's not it. It's L-U-C-A-S-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot com. Oh, ew. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note, um, I guess we can close out the Super Alone episode with uh, Jersey Jason. Do you have one thing you want to say about Home Alone 2 to make this vaguely uh, connected? Or Home Alone 2 sequel to No, 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 I got it. Okay. Always be friend the homeless.
Mm. If it's a homeless lady with pigeons, you can be sure they'll, uh, yeah, be your best friend. I don't know. That's, that's yeah, they, won't, they won't kill you and steal your money. <laughs> the pigeons or the homeless lady? The pigeons. <laughs> the, the good feathers. Uh, Animaniacs? Is that what that's from? Yeah, for the, okay. for the Joe Pesci pigeon. Well done. All right. <laughs> All right. Good night, fellas. It's a extra long episode of Home Alone 2 on the sequel cast. You can check us out. You're not money's worth. Yeah, you can check us out at sequelcast.com. Uh, send us an email, sequelcast at gmail.com. Follow uh, me on Twitter at, uh, at sequelcast, or you can follow Thrasher on Twitter at internet mayor. That is correct. What? I N T E R N E T M A Y O R. Is where you can find a Thrasher. I congratulate you, sir, on that. Office. And if you go on Facebook, look up Sequelcast. We're on there too. And if uh, go to sequelcast.blogspot.com for our reviews and random musings on films. Uh, this is uh, Matt and Thrasher and Jersey Jason. Late. Uh, what should we say to round? We should out? say. Ah! No, no, no. That's from the say. Point. What did Curry say? say? Uh, um, Why don't you? Oh, and in the limousine is your fresh cheese pizza. No, uh, that's not even funny. Oh, no, that's lame. What was <laughs> the name? What was the name of the? What was the name of the toy store? I don't know. The they're store? sticky bandits. They're yeah, they're the sticky bandits in that one. Uh, Lloyd. Okay, yeah. Why don't we say on the count of three? On the count of three, let's say Lloyd. So uh, for the sequel cast, until next time, uh, this is Matt. Thrasher. And Jersey Jason saying Lloyd. <laughs> Okay, next week we're going to cover Home Alone 3, oh, which God. stars a teenage Scarlett Johansson as a kid sister to uh God, isn't the kid French in the Stewart in that? Or is no, that that's my... in part four. Oh. oh, God. Why are there more? <laughs>